As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Would you like to become the headline sponsor of the most authoritative Arsenal podcast on the planet? Would you like to be front and centre on Handbrake Off alongside James and Amy and Art and Adrian and Ian? Would you like to reach hundreds of thousands of highly engaged Gunners fans every week? Of course you would. Your brand can advertise with us now. Our skilled and charming commercial team are waiting to hear from you. Contact partnerships at theathletic.com. That's partnerships at theathletic.com. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, We're joining you slightly less than 48 hours after the frankly astonishing events at the Emirates. Uh, We'll talk about that as well as the first and hopefully not the last trophy for an Arsenal team this season as the women won the League Cup final 3-1 over Chelsea. I'm joined by Amy Lawrence and Michael Cox. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Ian. Hello, Ian. Hi. Uh, (laughs) How are you doing? Everything all right? You know what, we'll get to that. Anyway, we thought, we we wanted to ask, because it's all about the feels this week, really, particularly, of course, in the 97th minute when Reese Nelson rifled one into top bins. Um, So what were your feelings and observations of that moment? Uh, Michael, I'll come to you first. It was quite odd being in the press box for that because you kind of fenced off from just wild emotions around you, almost like you're some kind of zoo animal or something, kind of protected from everyone else. But <laughs> no, it was it was incredible because it was it wasn't a kind of unbelievable. It was an unbelievable goal, but I did think there was a feeling of belief around the stadium that Arsenal would keep on knocking on the door and keep on getting chances, and eventually it happened. Amy, it was one of those where. When the ball drops to him, you know, there's that slight feeling of time slowing down again. You get that occasionally in in football. And I think because he took that clever little touch and he couldn't take it straight away on his right foot, that just added to that little suspense. During that second or so, I was aware of people all around me in the North Bank lower tier, tier praying. I could just hear people say, please, God, you know, and actually exhorting something. There was a lot of like desperation, like looking to the heavens and what have you. 
And then the next thing you know, it's at, it's on its way and you know where it's going, it's, you know, even before it gets there. And and it was, a, a, it was one of those where, I mean, I think the kids like to call it limbs, how were the limbs, you know? And it, it you know, it was hugging armfuls of people stuff. And <laughs> some big guy who um, who came careering down our row, basically hugging everybody along the way. I don't know where he came from or where he went. I think he might have been lapping the stadium of, uh, of row 17. But it, it just summed up this this mood of uh, of something special going on. Yeah. I couldn't go at the game, by the way. I had a slightly different experience to you guys. I was listening to it in a car, which is, by the way, not pleasant. <laughs> I don't think it's a fun experience listening to it on the radio. You, I didn't get anywhere near as much giddiness as either of you did. But I had all the tension and disappointment, and obviously I had the explosion of joy uh, at the end. Were you driving? No, I pulled over. I pulled over because I knew, because I with, with about two minutes to go before the end and the injury time I thought I cannot be moving if they somehow get a th- I can't otherwise I might end up you know wrapping it around a lamppost so I just I pulled in that and was I, and quite, I, quite sensible of you actually I'm uh, you know, <laughs> well uh, the thing was I, I can tell you exactly where I was for each of the goals and each of the, the important moments as I was driving along and I, and I got to a point I thought no no there's only it's only going to be 10 minutes uh, two minutes near the end and another six or seven for the uh, injury time. I think I should pull over. And then I spent the next five minutes, by the way, after the goal, just I got out of the car and ran around and then got back in the car uh, and, and sort of took a moment just to, to take it all in. Nelson might have to hit it now. He does! Yes. What a goal! Reese Nelson has won it for Arsenal! And the place is going wild! Incredible seats here at the Emirates Stadium. And Arsenal are going five points clear. What a goal! It was Arsenal 3, Bournemouth 2 at the Emirates. Uh, a game where Arsenal conceded after nine seconds, went two down just before the hour. Somehow came back to win 3-2 with a winner in the 97th minute. Those are the bare facts of what happened to the Emirates. But for the next however long it takes, we're going to try and make sense of what is essentially not sensible Mikel Arteta, uh, Mikel Arteta, sorry, who ended up tending a small child while celebrating, said it was mad. Michael, you said you're in the press box. Um, you are a little fenced off from it, but you're still in the stadium. There is, you know, you'd, all that's happening. You've got you've got slightly nicer seats and desks, <laughs> but in the end, you're still feeling it. I mean, you've been in plenty of football stadiums. I, I mean, it's a rare feeling, isn't it? What happened at the weekend? Yeah, it is, and and yeah, it was it was great. Like you say, even sitting there, I mean, there was a guy, there was a guy jumping on the fence, almost like <laughs> gesturing for us to kind of start cheering along as well. No, it was it was incredible. It was a last minute winner. It was a very very last minute winner because I think it was the ninety seventh minute when six minutes had been added, and of course it came so long after that opening goal. So Arsenal were leading that game for a total of about 10 seconds, whereas Bournemouth had been leading it for, what, 67 minutes or something like that? Yeah, it was a ridiculous game. It's an incredible comeback. And and also, it's kind of the last <laughs> game. I mean, Bournemouth at home, on paper, you would say, probably Arsenal's easiest game of the season. You know, the simplest game of the season. And I mean, they made hard work of it. But I think that, in a way, is why it was such a big moment. Because 
even a draw, even coming back to two all, I think would have felt like a defeat really with City winning earlier in the day. You can't be dropping points yeah. in a game like that. So even though it wasn't like beating Manchester United earlier in the season in terms of the significance of the opposition, I think the fact Bournemouth are quite a lowly team was kind of what made it such a, a big moment. Yeah. The rarity of it, by the way, uh, in the five seasons between 2015 and uh, 16 and 1920, Premier League teams went two goals behind 947 times. And in 2% of those games, 20 games, 20 teams won the match. In other words, it's happened about four times a season, which means that for any one team, it's statistically likely to happen once every five years. That is what we witnessed uh, on Saturday. There are two pieces in the on the Athletic website. James wrote a piece called Arsenal, It's Getting Emotional. I just want to read you this. Uh, Arsenal supporters and players did not expect to be in this position and it shows there is delight, there is anxiety and there is an abundance of joy. The novelty of the title race is yet to wear off. The nerves have yet to settle. The generation of players and fans are living this for the first time and living every second. It is a red and white knuckle ride. Um, Amy, I think, I mean, we've talked on this podcast before about whether we felt emotions quite like this and I know we talked about the young team in the late 80s and early 90s and I absolutely sorry then in in that around that time and I absolutely see that but I personally I don't think I've ever felt anything quite like this I mean do we forget easily yeah I think there is there is a bit of recency bias about some of this stuff I mean I you know you see a you know a few comparisons and, and uh, statements and stuff, best ever moment in the Emirates or, you know, this is uh, better than, than Henri's goal when he came back or, or our Chavins against Barcelona or whatever other examples people wanted to pick out. You know, and I think that the beauty of when you're a long-time follower of a, of a club is you can have these moments at different times and with different resonances and contexts. But... What it boils down to, essentially, is whether this goal by Rhys Nelson, and, it, you know, it's being loaded with a lot of <laughs> tremendously heavyweight significance, with still 12 games to go, by the way. And is it going to be remembered as a kind of Danny Welbeck versus Leicester kind of goal, which felt not dissimilar at the time, in a way, in terms of that was a, a team going for the league, and it was a, a game that they needed to somehow get over the line? Or is it going to be one of those goals, and this relates to Michael's excellent piece uh, from the match, about defining moments where players appear suddenly from nowhere to produce something momentous and important, that that without which there is no silver you know, hoisting at the end of the season, such as Gilles Grimondi or... Christopher Ray scoring, you know, goals in one nil wins, unlikely goal scorers in 98 on the way to the first double, such as Martin Hayes in 1989, scoring one goal away at Middlesbrough, like in the last three or four matches that without which there's no Anfield 89, such as Jose Reyes, who in the uh, invincible season, when the title was won, came up with two match winners in very narrow, very difficult 1-0 games against Portsmouth and Fulham to keep Arsenal on track for the uh, unbeaten season. So, you know, in a few months, people will either look back at this moment 
as one that will be quite symbolic of a of a winning team or it just might be oh gosh what a moment that was but when you talk about the emotion of it all there's fan emotion and there's player emotion and i'm mu- much more interested in player emotion and in and i think it is both a gift for this team but it's also a slight anxiety because you can't win every game on the back of uh, you know an emotional explosion and going two goals down and needing chaos football and like wildness it, it you know it's great but it's quite hard to actually win a title that way like when you're reliant on that a bit too often so i think i would guess that our uh, Mikel Artas probably wants to find the sweet spot between the emotion that's giving fuel to this player these players and it's giving them belief and it's giving them confidence to keep trying and keep plugging away but also with some coolness and some control. I mean, I found it interesting in the last 10, 15 minutes or so, Xhaka and Jorginho, I kept thinking to myself, get up like for about the last, well, probably 20 minutes to half an hour, I found myself thinking, get one of those guys on. Don't really care who for, but, you know, this is kind of desperation times and it probably needs a head out there who has a bit more experience. And the pair of them were in their warm-up, um, tops on the side of the pitch on the corner of I suppose it's sort of the, the east stand and where the, the, the dugouts are and the north bank and they were so involved they weren't really warming up they were just coaching and talking and urging and ordering and they were kind of non-playing players that sort of had an impact I think by trying to lead from the sideline um, yeah so, yeah, I'm, I've waffled along, but I think there's some stuff in there about, and I, I'd be interested in what Michael thinks about whether Arsenal can keep looking for these heroes or need to kind of have the right amount of emotion but calm down a bit as well. Michael, is it too emotional down there? I mean, do you think? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I personally love it as a fan. I'm, I'm enjoying the ride, but is it... I mean, there's still 12 games to go, as Amy said. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where... I think Arteta would prefer to win the game in a controlled manner, obviously. But, you know, the other alternative is obviously dropping points. And I think when you're a bit of an outsider going for the title and Arsenal at the start of the season were absolute outsiders, you do need these moments. You're not going to win every game confidently. You do need to, you know, snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. And Arsenal have done it a few times, obviously, against Manchester United. The Inquietia goal away at Aston Villa with the Martinez own goal. And now this one, I feel like probably Arsenal might have used up all their last-minute points. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. if it wasn't for them, they would be uh, second in the league. So it's going quite well. Quite. And and you also, in your piece, um, which you wrote about the game, you mentioned uh, Leonardo Ujoa and Leicester City. Uh, He scored some some vital goals for them. This one, I think, was against Norwich. How late in the season was that? So that, that? was actually, funny Amy should mention the, the Danny Welbeck goal because that was Leicester's next game. So Leicester lost at Arsenal and there was a feeling, well, that's probably Leicester done. And if they drop points at home to Norwich, you know, probably confidence goes and up pops Ujoa, who with respect to him is probably a championship level striker. But of course he's good enough to score a last minute winner given 10 minutes against Norwich. And that's kind of how I felt with with Reese Nelson, I mean, this is a player who, 
you know, Arteta said after the game, he just left him out of the match day squad for the last two fixtures. And, you know, it's not the old days of a 14-man squad. It's 20-man squad. If you can't get into a 20-man squad, you, I think you're really quite a fringe player, especially with Gabriel Jesus unavailable. So, look, I mean, he's he's a, a player I think everyone knows was very, very talented, was very highly rated at the club. But I think signs of progress over the last couple of years have been quite slow really but not just the goal I mean he set up the, the equalizer I thought with a brilliant cross and, and obviously a very good finish yeah, for White he was you know it's only his second run out really there was another one against Wolves where he came on I think in the 91st minute so we won't count that but it's his second, second run out and second time he's had a really big impact on the game yeah all right, we'll get back to uh, uh, the Leicester comparison in a second. But Amy, uh, Reese Nelson, another academy uh, product, uh, Halen product, scoring uh, another winning goal. These things do keep happening, don't they? And, it, and, and doesn't it all add to the emotion of the thing that it's young, homegrown boys and a young, essentially homegrown fan base all working together to hopefully... Uh, achieve the dream of a title against the financial behemoth of Manchester City? Yeah, maybe. But I think if any player had put his boot through that ball from that position and it had gone in, I'm not sure you'd (laughs) feel that much less good because it wasn't Reese Nelson. So, however, uh, it's hard not to feel utterly delighted for Reese, who, as Michael mentioned, you know, was, was really one of those picked out from a young age to be, uh, you know, potentially special. And it's taken him a, it's been a real slow burn to, you know, to really grasp that opportunity in a convincing way, loans and injuries and so on. But Mikel always liked him, it seemed, and has been willing to kind of keep involving him. But the quality of his performance when he came on, he really was terrific in quite, quite stressful circumstances you know, he, he had so much um, creativity and close control. And he looked, what he looked was very relaxed, you know, in, a, in an unrelaxing situation. But actually, he played in a very relaxed manner. Even the celebration was Well, relaxed, so wasn't chill, it? wasn't he? Still... He was the calmest <laughs> He was of the everybody. most chill person in the stadium, wasn't he? But I, I, it was a, just a something to behold. And Michael, as I say, as we said, you were in the press box. Were there, were there a couple of... Uh, uh, Reporters around you who were just thinking, oh, no, I've got to rewrite this whole thing <laughs> now for the five to five report or whatever. It was. Yeah, there probably was. Actually, I was very grateful for the fact that at the, at the Athletic, we don't have to file live. And actually, as, as I say, it was funny because I was obviously shaping up for the two all draw. I was going to write a piece saying Arsenal didn't get the winner, but the way they went about things in the last 20, 30 minutes was spot on. They didn't play long balls. They didn't panic. They didn't kind of lose their discipline, lose their shape. They kept on probing, kept on putting the ball into the wide areas. And of course, when the goal goes in, you kind of look like you're Captain Hindsight saying, yeah, that was going to happen all along. But I thought I was really impressed with Arsenal, actually. I mean, defensively, two pretty poor goals to concede. The last half hour, considering they didn't have Jesus, Nketiah was out injured, Trossard went off injured as well. And you get three goals from pretty unlikely sources. Yeah, I, I thought that was a really impressive second half showing from Arsenal. Just before the game, funny enough, I had been thinking to myself that Arsenal need to find goals from outside that source of Saka, Martinelli and Erdegaard, who have been bearing so much responsibility. And uh, I think it was interesting as well that three players popped up who are not the ones that you're expecting to score regularly. I mean, obviously, particularly Ben White getting his first goal and Reese. Um, and it's needed. 
because there are going to be games when the forward players, it just doesn't fall. I tell you what, let's have a listen to uh, Adrian Clark. Adrian uh, couldn't join us uh, this morning, but he uh, wanted to tell us what he thought of what happened on Saturday and he left us a little voice note. Hello, everybody. I hope you're well. Um, I think my heart rate has just about come down since Saturday. What a buzz that was. Incredible match. I'm here at Emirates Stadium, just about to record the breakdown. I thought I'd share with you a few of the, the stats that I unearthed after calling the Opta hotline. Really interesting, actually. 80.1% share of possession. That is the highest that we've ever seen under Mikel Arteta's Arsenal. The previous best was 75.7% of possession. At times in this game, it was up to 85, but it ended up at 80.1. So never before under Super Mikel, we had that much of the ball. Shots, really, really good. 31 of them, another record under Arteta as Arsenal gaffer. Crosses as well, 48 of them in the game. That hasn't been topped. Our previous best was 44 in a North London derby in 2020. A lot of those were corners. A lot of those were frustrating corners, weren't they? 17 corners in total. That's another high under Mikel Arteta. But we did end up scoring a couple of goals from from recycled corners, didn't we? Uh, one of them, I think, might be remembered for quite some time. Uh, and the last one I want to share with you is touches inside the opposition box. Our previous best under Arteta was 69 against Dundalk in the Europa League. Maybe no surprise there in this match. 78 touches inside the opposition box. They only had seven, which also meant it was the biggest difference between two teams since Mikel Arteta has been manager in terms of touches inside the opposition box. So, yeah, look, an unforgettable game, just a a wonderful climax, but also some remarkable stats. Enjoy the show. We are enjoying the show, Adrian. Thank you very much. I, by the way, the fact that there's an Opta hotline, I, that blows my mind. I absolutely love the fact that you can phone them up and ask them, how much possession did we have? 80% possession, uh, Michael. This actually really speaks to the point that you made, that we weren't just chucking it in. We were playing, for all the emotion in the stands, we were playing controlled football. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the possession share is always... I mean, people always look at the possession and then look at the scoreline whereas actually I think it often works the other way around Arsenal had 80% of possession because Bournemouth were leading from 10 seconds in so they could afford to just sit on the edge of their own box and I think actually it's kind of a contradiction that you know Bournemouth the leakiest defence in the league maybe that's the game where you can do without your main strikers but actually the nature of it it was a game where you needed kind of penalty box poachers so I think it was actually a game where Nketiah was, was a big miss to Arsenal and they still managed to to get past that and yeah as I say it was it was never panicky from Arsenal I thought they they kept their shape really well I thought you know obviously this was a game that wasn't on TV so some people will have only seen the highlights and I don't think Saka was involved in any of the goals but I thought he was brilliant he just kept on getting the ball such quick feet he can go inside he can go outside I mean there was a few players who played well but I thought Saka really was was Arsenal's standout player he just kept on going and and you can say the same for his season as well. I mean, he, yeah, he's he's one of the best players in the Premier League at the moment, without question. There's there's others who are getting attention. I know Rashford has been very good since the uh, since Christmas or since the World Cup. But I mean, after maybe a slightly slow start, first four or five games, I think Saka's just been brilliant, and and I don't think Arsenal would have won that game without him. 
couple of actual events in the game. We'll get back to the fields in a bit because there is more to say. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale made an absolutely brilliant save at 1-0 from a break. I mean, those moments, Amy, they're as big as goals, aren't they? Yes, it was an amazing save, but I've got a funny feeling it might have been called offside if you look at the first ball. Uh, the... Tight. Hmm, maybe, yeah. but... Um, but I found myself he more just that, utterly though. horrified that whatever Arsenal were doing out there, how could they allow themselves to suddenly have a kind of almost a three-on-one? Really, they need to make sure that something about the balance of how the team's attacking um, is tightened up so they don't expose themselves to that sort of a break. Because, that, you know, to be that outnumbered and for um, Ramsdale to, you know, not even know which of the two players was going to take the shot from Bournemouth was not a great situation to be in, but obviously he handled it. He he made brilliant decision to come off his line and close and make himself difficult to, to, to beat. But everybody is contributing. Everybody in this team is contributing. Everybody in this squad is contributing. That's, that's, that's that. something else. That's something else. The understudy characters making a difference. Um, I mean, Michael, you know, the goals are scored, as we've said, by people who wouldn't normally uh, score goals. Reese Nelson obviously has barely been in the team all season. You know, they'd like the game, I think the game the other week, we finished with six squad players uh, on the pitch. We talk about depth of squad on the show pretty much every week, but we're getting there, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I looked at the minutes and Reese Nelson is the 21st most used player this season. And if your 21st most used player is coming up with moments like that, um, I mean, maybe Arsenal don't have the strongest squad on paper. They don't have the squad City do, but it's not about ability, really. It's just about what you can contribute. And as I say, Nelson's been given two games, one in a foregone conclusion, really, against Forest. this time anything but, and twice he's produced. So, um yeah, credit to Arteta for keeping those players motivated and and I think more than anything, knowing exactly when to use them. Because, I mean, Smith Rowe was himself a substitute and I understood there was some fitness issues there. He's coming back from injury. He Arteta didn't want to play him for more than 45 minutes. But also he clearly saw, look, we need a proper winger here. We need to stretch the play. And OK, he can't have dreamt that the the winning goal would have happened from it. But the second goal was exactly what he would have asked for from Nelson going down the outside, crossing and made an impact within one minute. So, yeah, I think Arteta deserves a lot of credit here as well. Yeah, ruthless, but uh, effective. Go on, Amy. Michael, I was wondering what you thought of uh, Fabio Vieira's performance from the start. You know, it's taken him a long time to to get that position and that trust. And he came in in the Granite Xhaka role. I wonder what your view was from the, from the uh, slightly clearer sightlines of the press box. I, I thought he did OK. I mean... It was the first game Jack had missed this season, so he clearly needed a rest. I think by common consent, the last few weeks, Xhaka hasn't been at the levels he was in the first half of the season. And yeah, Bournemouth at home, you can be a bit more adventurous, a bit bolder. I think it made sense to use him here. In the end, I, I kind of felt it wasn't really the game for him, just because Bournemouth... Sat, no. I mean, they were so deep that the midfield, they were so compact. I actually thought... I mean, maybe in a different way to how you were saying, Amy, about bringing Xhaka on, but... I actually thought Arsenal needed the Xhaka that can just crash the penalty box and provide an extra goal threat, which, you know, at this stage, I don't think Vieira doesn't really seem to be in his game. He seems to be more of a playmaker, a, a conductor, and I just didn't think he got the space. So, yeah, 
maybe not the game for him, but I think in other games, I mean, he started away at Brentford, didn't he? And scored that really good goal. I thought I thought he was really good in that game. That was the opposite. That was when Arsenal were leading for the majority and I think there was a bit more space. But uh, yeah, not not one of Arsenal's brighter performers, I didn't think. But, uh, and Michael, um, while we're asking you about some of the moments in the game, Amy's point about us being so open at the back. I mean, I've seen this a few times. Brentford had a few breaks as well when, when Zinni comes in and it leaves a big gap. Obviously, teams have looked at that and they feel like they're targeting us a bit. We'll get punished sooner or later, won't we? Yeah, I mean, Bournemouth aren't a great side, but I think they are quite good on the counter-attack. They've got a few players who just know how to use the ball well. Obviously, scoring the the early goal gave them licence to do that. And yeah, I think I think it was probably the first half, maybe Arsenal went chasing it a little bit too much at times. I thought in the second half, it was it was actually quite controlled. But yeah, I mean, that was, that was a, a bit of a danger and... Yeah, there were a couple of moments where Arsenal were a little bit exposed. I thought as well at the start of the second half, it was two fouls that Partey made that were just completely unnecessary that let Bournemouth slow the game down. And in fact, the second foul led to the corner, which then led to the second goal where Partey probably wasn't marking properly. So, Was that a free kick? Was that a free kick, really? I mean, he just ran into uh, it, didn't he, a little bit? I, I kind of think he did, but I thought it was unnecessary. I think... I think yeah. um, you know, Bournemouth were taking their time over all these things. It was a couple of times where I did actually time after Party had made a foul, how long it took Bournemouth to take the free kick. And it was about 40 seconds. And he only, you know, he only, <laughs> only takes two or three of those fouls and you're wasting a lot of time. But thankfully the referee was totting it up. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> added it on at the end, which is absolutely marvellous. Uh, Amy, um, I think most Arsenal fans have spent most of the weekend watching videos of other Arsenal fans <laughs> celebrating or the manager running down the touchline. This this emotion, it's it's quite a strong, deep thing that we're talking about here. I, I watched one of people in Cambodia on holiday wearing Arsenal shirts, jumping in the pool in their own swimming pool. Uh, you were talking about one in uh, somewhere in Africa. I can't remember exactly yeah, there where. Yeah, uh, there was some Nigerian footage that was... Excellent. There was some gathering uh, where they were all watching the game and there seemed to be some other sort of interview going on um, with a guy with a microphone wearing that uh, great Ajax uh, three little birds top when the goal goes in and there's absolute chaos and uh, a bloke comes <laughs> comes bowling over, roaring and and uh, his tracksuit bottoms are halfway <laughs> down showing quite a lot of underwear as he turns around and he just grabs the microphone and like roars into it like some kind of primal energy spewing out of him but I do find it very moving I find it almost like hard to process somehow this this idea that there are people all around the world who for whatever reason chose Arsenal you know and they believe and they feel just as deeply as someone brought up, you know, in N5 or N7 who's lucky enough to go to all the games in person. Uh, and you see that rep- that same emotion being replicated everywhere. People in countless uh, supporters clubs in, in, in the USA. And it's a thing that I think they captured very well in the... Um, new artwork around the stadium with the flags from lots and lots of different places uh, across the globe. And you feel like that, you know, that moment, that those seconds of delirium when Reese Nelson's goal goes in, 
there's it's popping. It's like fireworks going off all over planet Arsenal with people feeling the same way. And it's incredible, really, that this renewed uh, love in the atmosphere that is so so tangible inside the stadium is some way infectious through the airwaves because people seem to be feeling it just as deeply wherever they may be. Yeah, It's great. It's yeah. lovely. It's beautiful. Cars in Paddington as well, by the way. It works in a car in Paddington. It's slightly <laughs> it less glamorous than uh, <laughs> jumping into a swimming pool in Cambodia. But it doesn't make any difference. It's exactly the same feeling. And that craziness, by the way, there's another piece I want to point you towards on the website. Nick Miller wrote a piece uh, basically analysing what each of the players did uh, when that final goal went in. Uh, the cameraman lost uh, he lost sight of Reese Nails and ended up following William Saliba going over and assaulting the corner flag for absolutely no reason at all. But everyone lost their minds uh, uh, a little bit. Um, some very funny social media stuff as well. Rossitron, I wanted to point out, um, quoting Gladiator, uh, Marcus Aurelius, when he said there once was a dream called Rome, but he, trans- he transferred the title in there and said, he said, you could only whisper it, anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. It was so fragile. Trucker, trucker, uh, my friend. Trucker, 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 yes, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Michael, if you don't understand what that means, we can maybe explain to you afterwards, but we did talk about it last week. Also, by the way, a shout-out to Leone, who I ran into at the Poodle Club, uh, which is a gig uh, I did on Friday night, and... Um, uh, Leone is just a huge gooner and a big fan of the podcast. And we just shared an Arsenal moment. And this is what you're talking about. We're, we're sharing these moments now. Uh, all we need are 12 more, basically. 12 more. Oh, trucker, trucker, <laughs> sunshine. Stop it. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying all we need are 12 more. Uh, anyway, uh, Arsenal 3. <laughs> this really upsets Amy. <laughs> I think we've got to enjoy the ride. Um, Michael, you haven't been down the Emirates in a while. Uh, what are you making of the journey the club are on at the moment? No, it's it's, it's really fun. It's been a good season. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't get to go to many matches uh, these days. I kind of have to wait for an athletic reporter to be away and then I fill in for them, which is inevitably always Bournemouth at home rather than like a Champions League semi-final <laughs> or something. That's what uh, we have Bournemouth at home. Yeah. No, it'd be fine. Four or five but No, it's great. I mean... It, I know it's been said, and I thought the the podcast that Amy and some others put together last week about the Ashburton Army was was brilliant. Actually, it's it's a different atmosphere at the Emirates this season. I know it's been said before, but it it, it does make a huge difference. And I thought when that first goal went in, when the first Bournemouth goal went in, there was a kind of ten seconds of dejection, and then there was a real kind of encouragement, a real roar from the stands. And I don't think that happens five years ago I just don't I think I think people mutter and start to moan and the next misplaced pass gets kind of jeered and stuff it's, it's a completely different environment to be in and and it does help we, the, the funny thing about the the pandemic and the behind closed doors football was that it kind of reset football fandom it feels completely different to me and the other thing that it did during the pandemic was home advantage vanished and so we now have statistical evidence that fans in ground uh, fans in grounds make a difference I mean we all always knew that but now for the first time in history you had a season where the away teams won as many as the home teams so there's statistical evidence that getting behind your team makes a real big difference and yeah you can see that Arsenal this season 
Uh, this is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. And then Fleming is on target. There's the whistle. Arsenal won the cup. Underdogs here, but deservedly victorious. They've been brilliant. Not just the win, but the manner of it. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence and Michael Cox here on Handbrake Off, uh, the Athletics Arsenal podcast. It was all, it was a really good weekend for Arsenal Football Club generally. Um, Arsenal beat Bournemouth, as we've talked about. Arsenal also won the League Cup. Arsenal women won the League Cup, uh, beating Chelsea 3-1 at Selhurst Park. Uh, this will be covered in more detail on the Athletics Women's Football Podcast, where you can hear the thoughts of Lucy Ward and Charlotte Harper. Uh, Michael, you watched the game. Arsenal, have they recovered their mojo? Because they've had quite a, few, a tough few weeks, haven't they? Losing their strikers and things not quite working out. Yeah, I mean, and also had this setback in this game of going behind early to Sam Goal in mean, second minute. Yeah, I mean, psychologically, I think it was really impressive from Arsenal considering they've had a bad record against Chelsea recently. They lost to them last weekend in the FA Cup. They got blown away by them in a FA Cup final at Wembley midway through last season. But after that setback, they really, I mean, they really imposed themselves on the game. I thought they were excellent, particularly in midfield. Leo Valti and Kim Little, who got man of the match, but I think it could have been either of them, just commanded the game. And and in the end, it was, you know, another comeback, but a comeback by half time on this occasion. Went 3-1 up at half time in the second half. Arsenal were really in control. So, yeah, at the end of the day, it's a, obviously a one-off victory. Uh, after quite a few disappointing results. But it coming in a cup final, um, breaking a four-year duck without a trophy, the first trophy for Yunus Eideval, and kind of just, if they lost again to Chelsea, I think it would have become almost a bit of a a bit of a theme, maybe questions asked about Arsenal in big games. But yeah, they were, they were excellent and, and thoroughly deserved the win. And they're currently set outside the Champions League slots. Um this has got to help their league form, hasn't it? Is it top two getting the Champions League? Uh, top two, and there's a third who goes into a qualifying uh, process as well. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely got to get top three. Um, 
but yeah, there's. I think a few months, well, two months ago, you would have said Arsenal were were really in contention for the title. I think that's difficult to see now, but obviously they're still in the Champions League for this season. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully for Arsenal, the the, the start of something a little bit like how people were talking about Ten Hag and Manchester United winning the League Cup last week. It's kind of a League Cup's never really seen as an end in itself, is it? It's kind of always looked as a as a springboard to success. Well, it certainly seems to have worked that way for Manchester United, doesn't it? <laughs> well, that springboard really seems to be operating nicely. By the way, um, Thursday, first leg of the last 16 uh, Europa League game against Sporting Lisbon seems sort of weird. Amy, how are you feeling about the Europa League? I mean, essentially... Do we just play uh, uh, partly a second-string team because Fulham away is much more important? It's really strange. And and I've been quite a fan, in general, of Arsenal's period in the Europa League. Uh, Obviously, it's not where you want to be, but I still found it quite enjoyable to be in the competition and... It just feels different this time because there's this other thing that is so much bigger. And that was never the case in the previous Europa League seasons. So uh, it puts you in this strange feeling of not necessarily going for it in the same degree come the knockouts, which was absolutely reverse in previous years, where trying to get to the final as a route back into the Champions League seemed the easier way to get back. And also, obviously, to win a European trophy of itself is a is a a huge achievement for a club like Arsenal that doesn't have a lot of European honours on the on the board. I suspect that Mikel Arteta is going to go hell for leather for both. That's not to say there won't be any changes or concessions, but now he's picking from this broader squad where well I think he might have an idea of really what his first choice is if everybody's fit and firing in 100%, that, you know, the alternate pieces in quite a few positions are super strong. So it doesn't feel quite so much like, you know, oh, a reserve team per se. I think still a lot of the main players will be playing. There'll be a smattering of, of changes, but not sufficient to make you think that it's a really very weakened team. But yeah, obviously Fulham is a a tricky fixture to be having in the middle of the two legs. That's for sure. Uh, It's not ideal. But yeah, I fully expect Mikel to be aiming to come out with good some good points from Craven Cottage and coming into the next round of the Europa League. That'll be his intention from this week. Michael, you're going to be covering the home leg uh, against Sporting Lisbon. What do you what What do you know about them? I mean, this is not this is not a bad team. I mean, they uh, they were in the Champions League when they dropped down into this competition. Yeah, I actually got the fixtures mixed up, and I thought I was down to cover the away leg, which I must say I was much more excited about a trip to Lisbon <laughs> than than another one up to uh, Islington. But yeah, they're a good side. I mean, um, kind of in the relative wilderness for like twenty years, Sporting Lisbon, when it was just Benfica and. Porto winning the league every time, but um, always produced good players. They won the league, was it the year before last? And like you say, win the Champions League. And I think we'll probably be really giving it a go. I mean, I think for a side like Sporting, this competition, I think they probably have got a decent chance of winning it. So I think over the two legs, I'd probably make them slight favourites just because I think they'll play the full strength side and will absolutely give it everything. Whereas Arsenal maybe will hold 
a little bit of uh, something back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll um, uh, we'll do another podcast on Friday, so we'll have seen the first leg. We'll have a chat about it uh, then. Let's have a song to end uh, a most splendid weekend. Uh, Michael, I'll come to you first. Uh, uh, do you have a song that you would like I, to uh, I was trying to think of us? something along the lines of Nelson. The, all I could think of was Willie Nelson, and I went through a list of Willie Nelson songs, <laughs> and I couldn't really think of any I would recommend playing. So uh, I'm going to have to leave that to Amy, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, Amy has, I know, uh, a, a fine selection. Uh, but what have you got for us this week, Amy? Which is not really my pick, but uh, just generically on Saturday night, I did come back and play Weekender by Flowered Up. Very loud, which... Um, I listened to it. Did you like it? I listened to it. Yeah, I did like it. Yeah, it is a little bit of a, of a journey, It is a it? journey. It's a kind of 13-minute... Uh, rave weekend epic from the early yeah. 90s which takes you through all sorts of kind of emotions and it had that that crescendoing swell of craziness and and stuff that uh, yeah just struck a chord but I'm actually going to go for Chic and Le Freak because everybody freaked the hell out um, and if you you can't have a bit of Bernard Edwards playing some funky bass in your life and when he's just doing his thing and there's the there's the chord progression in the middle of the song, it's musically perfect and very uplifting. So, yeah, freak out. I'm so pleased you mentioned Bernard Edwards as well because he doesn't get the credit, Bernard does he, Edwards, really? Oh, my God. Everyone Iconic. talks about... Um, no, Rogers. Uh, Nile Rogers, and he's obviously a genius. He's written some of the greatest songs of all time. Bernard was also, anyway, nice. I'm glad you did that. Um, we've been talking about the feels. Uh, so um, I thought, can you feel it? Jackson 5, basically, because uh, I think people can uh, at the moment. Well, that's it. That's it for Just Handbrake Just Adrian's not here for, I don't know, can you feel the love tonight from the Lion King? Or <laughs> is that the Lion King? Uh, something cheesy it's like true. that? Or... <laughs> Adrian will be back with his cheese, <laughs> with his fromage selection. Uh, it's all right, he won't mind. He won't mind at all. Uh, he does get some stick on Twitter, though, about it. Um, uh, yeah, we'll be back on Friday uh, with another handbrake off. Uh, thank you uh, to Amy. Uh, thank you, Michael, for coming in uh, and chatting to us, uh, stepping out of the cage of the press box for, uh, <laughs> for a bit. Um, thanks to Abby, our producer, as well. And thank you, listener. Uh, I'm Ian Stone. Enjoy the week. See you.